What's up guys, welcome back to the Imperfect Swing Golf Podcast. It's been a while. Um, this episode, we have a three-time winner on the Standard Bank Pro-Am Series, making it easy for me to get the winners on here. Tandy McCallum, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for sliding us in your very busy diary. <laughs> we obviously at your home course, uh, CCJ. Um, before we jump into your recent success on the Standard Bank Pro-Am Series, Let's get to know Tandy a bit more. Our first guest, uh, Lindy Kutsia, kind of titled you as a legend of women's golf in South Africa. How was it for you? I, I know I sent you that clip for the purpose of you looking at that specific part. How was it for you kind of seeing that, you know, from a young player, seeing you as a legend of women's golf in South Africa? Shane, that's a very gracious <laughs> comment that Lindy has bestowed upon me. <laughs> And she herself, a great player in the making. Uh, we know that she's going to tour school this year. Great player, good game, long way to go. I think she's going to be quite successful and I wish her all the best. And going back to that event at Glendower, the first event on the schedule for the Santa Bank Series, uh, we had a nice little ding dong in that event uh, together with, um, I think Nadia was up there as well at one stage, but yeah, it definitely became a two horse race the final day. And she was making birdie, I was making birdie. She was making par, I was making par. So it was really qu quite exciting. And she's a good match player because that's yeah. essentially w what it comes down to. Um, and she showed really good mental fortitude. She stayed in control right, right to the end. So I'm wishing her all the best for her tour school adventures at the end of this year. I hope she does well. I hope she gets a, a card for the LET and carries on to grow as a player and goes from strength to strength. But to be called a legend, <laughs> wow, that's quite a, it's quite a big title to have to carry. I would never consider myself like a legend um, but I suppose also I have been around for a while so maybe that's their way of politely saying an, old, an older veteran. player, veteran, yeah. <laughs> but I mean at the same time you've almost you know the, the whole purpose of uh, especially a sport that's growing is the people who are there from the beginning as that journey starts kind of sets the you know the, the stepping stones for the people that will come 10 years down the line and you almost used as a learning guide you can kind of speak on your experiences and better their experience so in a way you know legend does have that role so do you find yourself now giving that advice to some of our younger players and, and kind of you know giving them the ins and outs of what you went through which back then would have been obviously a much bigger struggle with less money less exposure in general yeah absolutely i think i definitely come out of um an era that's just passed of players of Stacey Bregman, Kelly Sheen, Ashley Simon now, Ashley Bruhai. So sort of after um, Cass and that was like a legend yeah. at a time and before Cass it was Lorette Moritz and Vanessa Williams and Barbara Pastrana and before them it was the Sally Little. So like each sort of generation of golfers comes through and I was part of that category of players and I played a lot of golf with Stacey Bregman who's still playing on the Ladies Repentor, Kelly Sheen is now in the States, obviously uh, no longer playing, but a mom yeah. with happy family and I think two or three kids now. And Ashley, who's gone on to win the Rico Open this year, just to show that the older players are still capable of playing exactly. and it's a fantastic achievement for her and to watch how her and David so much enjoyed the celebration of that event. So yes, I come from that era and I have been on the LET for five years at a time when it was doing well. And then during my time of playing, we had economic downturn in 2012, yes. which then greatly affected the ladies European. So which then resulted in us having uh, only nine events. We went from 24 tournaments a yeah. year, which means 24 weeks that you can work or play to nine. So you have to then start thinking about what's next. What's plan B? What 
what else can you do because you cannot base your entire year's earning and your entire year's preparation practice and playing on nine weeks so you then started looking at asian tour which i did a couple of events as well and aliti was a great stepping stone but lpga the u.s tour seemed like a very big step yeah uh, mentally emotionally and also financially i mean back then going back quite a few years now it was probably four thousand dollars to enter um, LPGA and that's a huge chunk of money that, and it was three stages spread across a couple months so you couldn't just go and play you had to go in August you had to go in September and you had to go in November for the final so it was three big trips huge amount of money and also because of the economic downturn and there being less exposure it was harder to get sponsorship yeah. so you literally what, what do you promise them I mean yeah exactly. exactly so you literally had to back yourself so I've come through what I would say is a struggle that a lot of the players have gone through especially the older ones and some of the younger players or newer players yeah. are starting to experience now on the positive there's so much more events now and the girls are able to showcase their ability in their game so to pick up a sponsor now i think is much easier there's a massive influx of women golfers and i can definitely vouch for that from a coaching perspective in the last two years coming out of covid young women ladies in corporate south africa are definitely looking at women and pushing the game and wanting to learn the game so there definitely is a massive increase and as you say 10 years time from now I think we're going to see there's going to be a whole host of South African names playing LPGA, LET because of what's happening now. And I do feel that I, I have been able to contribute to some of the girls and passing on pearls of wisdom in my experience. And I've also tried to make myself accessible. You know, the, the players like Lindy, Brittany Fayberger, Bonita's been around, but also, you know, she's, she's a great player herself and also She's had her own struggles coming from Namibia. Exactly. And that in itself is very challenging. You're coming from a foreign country to play in South Africa, your costs are higher. And then for her to then pursue her dreams is to get sponsorship from a foreign country is even more difficult. So just the younger enchilada players, um, I, I feel like I've tried to make myself accessible to them. And I even said, if you guys want to speak to me, I'm here. Isabella van Royen is another one. I had a good chat with her dad when I played with her at Joburg Open. And I said to, I said to the dad, listen, Isabella's ready. Yeah. Like, what are you waiting for? Turn pro, like go and play. You might as well cut your teeth now, make a few mistakes, earn some money, as opposed to spending another year playing amateur golf. And it's Making not that no I have money, any... spending almost exactly. similar expenses. Exactly, and I said to her, she's achieved her full national, her full junior colors, number one on the order of, of what, merit. What else is there? Go for it, turn pro, yeah. and rather spend the rest of the year putting some money in the bank, getting experience, so that next year, she can come out and, and, and start off her proper, full-time playing career so I do feel like I've tried to make myself accessible to these players and I've tried to help them where I can and I am still available to any of the players who do want to speak to me or maybe feel that they need a sounding board or just an opinion yeah. of am I ready should I go I'm very honest in that regard and I say I think you need a, an, another year of playing then you can go um, but I will say the opportunity that Standard Bank has afforded us by having events throughout the year has definitely upped the playability of the players. We're seeing much better scores, event to event, more goals under par, more goals bunching up un under par. Yeah. So, I mean, it just shows that the level is there. We just need the opportunity. It's almost like um, before, I mean, if you don't play well in that Sunshine Ladies Tour space, in that little five week gap, after that, there's not really much for you to do if you're not playing overseas or if you've, you know, a lot of girls would go and play mini tours in America or they'd be playing LET. The ones that don't have that opportunity are stuck at home for another year to prepare for the next year on Sunshine Ladies Tour. So 
you know, Standard Bank's almost filled that gap quite nicely with, let's not bunch seven tournaments up back to back, let's just maybe spread it over a month and give the girls something to kind of prepare for. And I think in the long run, we'll see, you know, more events from Standard Bank for sure. And that can only help, you know, get more of our names out there on the world stage. Absolutely. I mean, we've got such a wonderful depth of talent in yeah. South Africa. And I mean, I've, I've only mentioned a couple names of Lindy and Brittany and um, Is Isabella, but there's other players, Kelsey Nicholas, Tara Khribano, uh Cara Gorlai, a lot of great players, Nadia van der Westhuizen, Larissa Dupria. I mean, these are all need great more players. Reps. That's almost like what, what it feels like. We just need tournaments to play. Because exactly. obviously you can vouch that, you know, a lot of guys, you, you'll see them say, oh, I played I shot 71 in a social round and they go and play club champs when the numbers matter and it's very different. Yeah. So there's no ways for our players to be ready without that tournament experience. Yeah, you can definitely see it if you watch a lot of the co-sanctioned events. If you look at a Joburg Open or an, an SA Open where the European players come out and it's a great way for our local girls, amateurs and professionals alike to actually start to gauge their ability yeah. compared to an international platform. Because you do have a lot of really good players who come out. And those players, the only difference is that they're just seasoned. They are used to playing week in, week out, or two, three weeks of the month, yeah. every month of playing competitive golf. So when it comes to a big moment like a Joburg Open or an ESSA Open, which for any South African player, big. that is a big event. We all want to do well. It's on our home soil. It's a national title. You want to feature. Exactly. You know, and we all want to be able to almost prove ourselves on that international yeah. stadium that we can play well. The difference is they just play more. So they make slightly better decisions. They um, are more confident when it comes to finishing off a round and they finish stronger. Exactly. It's not that they're better, it's just that they've got more competition time. So with Standard Bank now giving us regular playing opportunity, and exactly as you said, I think going into 2023, we are going to see even more opportunity because the feedback that I've had from Standard Bank is that we're doing a great job as players yeah. to promote ourselves, pr to promote their brand, to network with their clients. They are enjoying it, so I do think it will get stronger. And to have an equal spread of events throughout the year. So you have a couple of good weeks, bad weeks, but across the year, it's about your overall performance as opposed to being condensed down to the six, seven weeks, February, March, which is sunshine to us. Yeah. So at least now, yes, sunshine to us is important and it matters because there are um, opportunities if you play well to then go play on, on the other tours. Exactly. But then to ca carry on having competitive opportunity with your peers while still playing for good money is what the girls need and that's exactly what's happening now so i really hope it just carries on and then we'll see maybe two years time that all this hard work the standard bank has put in will come to fruition and if we see another rico open winner from south africa fantastic exactly. i think standard bank can definitely you know stake a claim in that we help get that player there and that's what we want and i think what, what also makes it you know very beneficial to the community is it's not let's just put 10 events for the year on and give bare minimum cash we're talking very good money for i mean it's some days two 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 day events some days one day but i mean it's really good money and that's something very you know that hasn't been seen much in the women's game where we're looking at you know you, you almost look at the winner's check and you're like that's actually really nice to see it's not a oh i'm just covering my expenses check yeah yeah and i think you know that's where we have to kind of give a lot of credit to standard bank for backing it up with um, you know, not just the, the media of, oh, we're doing this for women's golf, but we're actually paying women what they deserve for good golf. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's quite something. I'm going to make a statement. I'm a bit of a golfing feminist and I do want to see women do well. And I know it's a very 
you know, controversial topic to talk about, uh, you know, the pay, di the pay diversity, yeah. but you know what? That doesn't matter. If we have opportunities, big or small, to keep playing, I think in the long run, the players that are capable of competing overseas will come out yeah. and we'll see them do well. And those players that are still trying to figure out if they want to play, it just gives them a fair chance to actually cut their teeth and figure out if this is the life that they want. The bottom line is as a female professional athlete, and I'm summarizing this not just for, for golfers, is that you have to work harder. Yeah. You have to be willing to go the extra mile, smile a lot more, put in more time, put in more effort, because it's just that little bit harder to get to that next level. And then I think once you are there, yes, it's hard, to hold on to but I think if you can go through that struggle to get to that next level the girls will be fully equipped to deal with those challenges that they'll be able to build a successful career from that point on with you I mean you're a you're not just a professional golfer you're a mom you're a wife what has that done for you I mean that's obviously come after your time playing in Europe as well but what has that done for you now and the way you've been playing recently you've been playing really well three wins on the Standard Bank Pro-Am series uh, you've also won in the origins of golf um, you know they have a few ladies come out there for those events how has that changed your perception and do you feel like you can still go and play competitively has that kind of reinvigorated your passion to maybe possibly think about playing on the let at some point again the idea has entered my mind with the performance that i've managed to produce this year and you know i don't think it's it's an easy one to try and summarize, okay, so what do you attribute your success to? I think there's many variables and many factors that contribute to success, and a, and a lot of it is headspace. Yes. I think you've got Especially to be- Especially in golf. Absolutely, because so much of what you're thinking and feeling comes out in a competitive round of golf. So if there are issues, if you've fought with your dog in the morning or fought <laughs> with your wife or your husband in the morning, it's gonna come out in your, in your round of golf. There, there is a, a true reflection of who we are and what we're feeling inside that comes out when yeah. you play golf. So if you're in a good space, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and the reason why I'm listing that is because as women, you are all encompassing. We are not just ball hitting machines. We're yeah. thinking, feeling, I mean, I have a little boy, I have an amazing husband and I have a wonderful family structure that supports me. So I've got all these extra things in my life that are tugging on your emotions. So exactly. you've got to keep things in check. And when everything's in a good space, it just makes it so much easier to go out and play confident, aggressive golf, knowing that everything else in your life is in a, in your life is in a good space. So I think just for me where I'm in my life, I'm 36 now, I turned pro when I was 21 and I went to Europe, sorry, 22, I went to Europe for five years and I was very young. I was very green behind the ears and I didn't know what to expect and I think I lacked a lot of mental maturity, like I had good game. Yeah. I had backing back then, which was which, which was fantastic. I had the funds to go and play, but I didn't have experience. And unfortunately, experience is something that you acquire through time and through playing. And years ago, when I was a junior, I remember one of my friends saying to me, you only play your best golf when you get into your 30s. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I should be done by then. You know, I should have played well. And it's true. You definitely have a, a sense of calm, a sense of maturity, and a sense of self when you're in your 30s that you're not trying to prove yourself anymore. And that's yeah. the thing, I'm not trying to prove myself as, as a player. You don't have that pressure anymore. That no, I don't, I don't. I genuinely want to go play golf because I love the game. It drives me nuts sometimes as it does with anyone. Mm. It can be equally frustrating as it can be rewarding, even within the same round, within the same hole, can be, you know, maddening exactly. and, and, you know, wow, what a great shot. It's just 
the nature of the game. But I think the big thing for me is that I'm not trying to prove myself. I've got a wonderful husband, I've got a beautiful family and a lovely son. I've got my family who love and support me irrespective of what I do, so I don't need to prove it to them. Um, I work in a wonderful environment with John Dixon, Byron and Tyron. I've got a great coaching school that, that I'm a part of and they're very happy for me to go and play and when I come back it's just like how did you go and it's just it's just easy. Yeah. You know I, I live around the corner from the golf club so it's also very convenient for me. Um, I've been doing my PGA diploma this year well, I started doing it this year so that's added a whole new dynamic to my life studying at 36. It's a big step um, but it's also you know brought the message across how important it is to stay current in the industry and to fulfill all the different faculties and you know this is my second year now doing commentary for Supersport which has also been a whole new avenue that I've enjoyed and being part of a team and in fairness it is a very much a boys fraternity and I do feel that it's great that they are wanting to bring women in yeah. um, and I think they can see that women bring a different flair and that's going to continue which is great you know, I'm very grateful to the likes of Louis Hutton for seeing that potential and wanting to incorporate me. So I've got all these other things on the periphery that I do, but I think it adds balance to my life. When I play golf full time, I, I ate. You consume golf all I the time. I consumed golf. I yeah. ate, I slept, I drank, I gymmed. I did, all I did was golf, golf, golf. And I had no positive distraction. And when I had a good tournament, you revel in the success. And when you have a bad event or a bad round or a bad sport or, or a miscut, you kind of like wallow in the sorrow yeah. of it because you've invested so much time and energy into this and it's not happening. Then you start to like question, am I doing the right thing? You know, do I need to go to a psychologist? And it's just a matter of you're going to have good and bad days. And that was the best part now is that if I have a bad tournament, guess what? I go back, I give golf lessons. I can still earn an income. So I'm not under that financial pressure. Exactly. And that was the biggest learning curve for me as a young golfer turning professional to go play overseas. That financial pressure, that raw pressure of knowing you have to make putts to get to the next mm -hmm. week because exactly. you don't have enough money in the bank to get there is it's stifling. Scary. It's, it, scary. it's scary and it's stifling for your performance. You cannot hit an aggressive sandwich at a flag when you know you need to make this cut, you need to finish X amount of euros yeah. to cover this week and next week. You cannot play golf that you're really capable of. So to get rid of that financial pressure is so important. And I think also with you know us South Africans, you mentioned the Green Mamba passport, <laughs> but I think just the Green Mamba currency makes it very difficult for us to go over there. I mean, I was there for nine for nine weeks on tour, and it was. It's, I mean, you, you're counting your pennies, right? And the whole thing, oh, don't convert. But it's just the way we are. We're going to look at, you know, what do we, can we cut corners here? Can we save yeah. a bit here? Can we share here? Can we do this? You know, it, and that's me as a, a caddy slash media person. Now I'm thinking, I'm, I'm at least getting paid guaranteed at the end of each week. As a player, there is no guarantee. Exactly. Which, which is terrifying, especially when you're in a foreign you know, on a foreign continent with no connections where you can bunk at someone's house. You know what I mean? There's no one to really lean on. Yeah. Um, so that, that must be very scary. It is quite tough. You know, being a South African passport holder myself, you had to apply for a whole bunch of visa, visas, which hey. obviously, of course, cost a huge amount of money. You got to get out of countries after a certain amount of time. So having a base in Europe is what I did in year two and year three, and I ended up playing better because of that. But again, coming from South Africa with your rands, it's, it's quite expensive. By the time I got to year five in Europe, I started to make friends with a couple of players and you started to have a couple of host families. Exactly. So there you could start to cut back on some of your costs because you know you're going to the Netherlands and they always do private housing and you start to befriend people or you can use them as a stopgap in between. But definitely you're operating from a poverty consciousness. Yeah. There's not a case of, well, I'm going to go and play 
and I'm going to travel. And I think often a very big misconception, and I'm saying this not just for people that don't play golf or potentially watch this and think, oh, golf is so glamorous. It is not. Yeah. Traveling on tour is not glamorous. After the third week of washing your socks or washing your golf shirts in a tiny basin with hand wash that you've bought somewhere in Spain, you can't even read the instructions. It gets tedious because you know you can't afford living to Living out drive. the suitcase. Yeah. It's it gets tough. It gets tough. It's not always whining and dining and cocktails with sponsors, I promise you. And it's not always foie gras and pasta in Spain. It's like eating baguette for two weeks in a row exactly. because that's what the budget... Making your sandwiches before you go to the golf course. It's one of those things. But you know what? It starts to make you appreciate that when things do go well and when you play well, you savor the success even more. And I think one thing that I've learned now at the ripe age of 36 is to ride those peaks and troughs of performance and try to stay as ambivalent and as neutral as possible. You know, Standard Bank has been fantastic and they've given us opportunities, but just to give a little bit of credit to Sunshine Tour, they've launched a wellness program this year, which they've targeted 10 players and have given them access to um, a performance specialist or a, or a psychologist, if you will, or a self-help therapist, uh, Joe, Joe Mountford, and she's been key to helping us understand what makes us tick as people, but also having access to someone like that that can guide you on nutrition, the importance of good sleep, the importance of meditating, the importance of de-stressing, the importance of cultivating energy and breathing on the golf course, all these other things that make up the whole. Small things. But, Small things that but have they... also added huge value. And one thing that she's contributed to me hugely, and I have used it, probably thinking, yeah, but you've been around for such a long time, you probably don't need to. Everyone needs help. Everyone needs support. Sometimes it's more emotional, sometimes it's more spiritual, sometimes it's just you're doing good, keep your head down, yeah. keep going. And, and she's just been a really good like pillar of strength and sounding board for, for even if you are doing well. I mean, I was leading at Serengeti and I had, I think I had a two-shot lead and I knew Lindy was chasing and Nadia was chasing and I hadn't won in such a long time. I said to her, Joe, I'm nervous. Like, I know I can do it and I know I've got the game. I've been out of this environment for so long human. and I've got human. these young, hungry, <laughs> enthusiastic, relentless, I'm gonna go for every flag, I'm gonna go for every par five players that are chasing me. She says, just keep doing what you've been doing and use your breathing to send to you. So to have someone like that available to the players, I think is also hugely beneficial. Tan, so, you know, you mentioned the, the the benefits of the mental aspect. I feel like, you know, you if you, a spectator and you go and stand on a range at an LET DP World Tour a PGA Tour event everyone hits it really well but what divides good from great is the mental aspect do you feel like when you were playing um, in your earlier days was that an overlooked part of your game like you didn't really spend too much time on that I spent a huge amount of time on the mental game um, when I was playing I, I spent a small fortune working with a guy called Dr. Carl Morris He's quite a prolific golf-specific psychologist yeah. based in Manchester who worked with many great players. Luke Donald, um, uh, names are not coming to me right now, but um, Ian Poulter, a um, couple of really good players. And I went to go see him. And it literally was a case of understanding exactly as you say, when you go onto the range and you see... Sorry. Must I carry on? Yeah, when you go into the range and you see girls warming up, they've got two arms, two legs and a brain. Yeah. They're all smashing their driver. Some got a fade, some got a draw. They're all smashing the irons. The difference of the players who win is short game. So 80 meters, 100 meters and less. The girl who chips, pitches, putts and plays bunker shots better. 
and also the girl who manages herself mentally and those are the ones who end up finishing on top it's not that you can stand on the range and go to she stands out as hugely hugely different yeah. they're all the same it's just how you put your round together and what I was alluding to earlier about all those years ago playing in Europe and I went to go see a, a sports psychologist was because I wasn't performing mm. on on paper fit healthy strong uh, gymming hitting well hitting, hitting it well posting scores in a relaxed environment getting into a competitive environment and mentally and emotionally imploding making doubles from nowhere and that was just performance anxiety and not being able to convert what I trained onto the course and it's just a matter of experience and maturity and that's one thing that I feel that I've you see, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to say that I've learned it all. I've got so much I still need to learn about this game. You never stop learning. But I have got to a point where I understand a lot more. And definitely coaching has Helps. helped me come to that point because you can see how someone struggles with something. And if you can just give them what they so desperately yeah. need, but it has to be earned. Experience and knowledge is, is earned. And you have to go through the good times, the bad times, get into contention and lose. Get into contention and mess up before you then understand what it takes to cross over that finish line. So every great winner was once a choker. Exactly. And that's something that money can't buy. A psychologist can't tell you. You have to you just have to go, go through, through it. it. You have to go through it. So my only regret, and I, I don't have regrets in my life, is had I stuck out another year on LET, I think I would have had a breakthrough win or posted a couple of really good finishes where I would have probably still been playing, playing potentially yeah. carried on playing, gone to the LPGA, because uh, that was the ultimate goal, was to get to the LPGA, e you know, economic downturn, financial implications and lack of sponsorship is why I then came back home and started coaching as a stopgap, which ended up becoming quite a, quite a positive thing for me because I didn't think I would enjoy coaching, but I do. I definitely enjoy helping people and I enjoy paying it forward and I enjoy helping someone enjoy golf more. It's not about necessarily hitting the ball further, but, but to enjoy golf more. Exactly. And I still feel that when I'm playing, as a competitor, which kind of goes against the nature of being a competitor wanting to help people, is that if I'm winning an event, I'm winning it because I've played well, yeah. not because someone else has, has not played well. I've literally played my heart out and I'm the best player on the day. You never want to win an event because someone else has thrown it away or someone else has yeah. choked. It's not like a, like a righteous win. True. And, and if, if I can now look at the youngsters and if I can help them or give them whatever knowledge or experience I can to help that. them I don't mind I'm willing to give it I want everyone to play well and I want to see South Africans featuring and in the same way that I didn't have much help when I was younger I'm willing to give as much as I can now I was gonna say you know there's always this um, you you kind of want to be a better parent yes in a way you know like you didn't yeah. really have that parent figure in the golfing world to look and talk to about these experiences so do you feel now that you've taken on that role quite nicely and you almost feel, I guess you coaching the younger players, yeah. but n not necessarily technically wise, but more on the life of golf, you know, the, that comes with tour playing because it's a very, you know, if you're not prepared for it, it can be an anxiety ridden environment because it's unfamiliar places, unfamiliar faces. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for you, now, if you have to, you know, when you're playing the Sunshine Ladies Tour, do you feel a lot more calmer in general, just all around? I do, I do. And again, not, not having the point to prove anymore has been a big mental shift for me. But just to relate to what you said there, when I was younger and playing on tour, or starting to play on tour, 
there were no accessible role models. Yeah. Yes, there was a Loretta Maritz and she was in Europe and she was always willing to talk to you, but it was like a little bit detached because she was there and you exactly. were here. There was no one here in South Africa that was actually accessible and willing to help and willing to impart knowledge because we had the Sally Little, we had Loretta Maritz. I mean, Barbara Pastana was a greater player um, in her own right and unfortunately had to cut her career short. But after that, it was kind of little bit and then no one so then along comes Ashley Simon Stacey exactly. Bregman Kelly Sheen and I was part of that that era there was no one for us to lean on to really ask this and I want to go on tour and I'm not sure how to apply for a visa and I'm not sure how to plan my trip mm. and I'm not sure what, what what to do and all these things that you want to ask which seem like simple trivial things but actually make up a big part of yeah. the whole of giving you the mental peace to actually exactly. know that you can go and play so I would never call myself a role model I would never dub that but I do feel that I have tried to become an example of what I wish I had yeah. when I was younger. Where I Let's do, not make the same mistakes I made. Exactly. I do try to watch what I eat. Yes, I enjoy my glass of wine, so be it. And I love chocolate. Okay, we, all, we all have our vices. But I don't overindulge. I try to watch what I eat. I make sure I stay fit. I go to the gym. I mountain bike for fitness. I make sure I have my functional mobility. So I do my TPI exercises when I have time. Um, I make sure that I hit balls, I make sure that I cultivate good energy and I get good sleep, that I try and do everything I can with my busy schedule of mom, wife, coach, player, commentator, and also now studying. I try to do as much as I can to keep the balance in my life so that when I get onto the golf course, I'm able to be the best version of myself. I'm not holding on to hope, I wish I could be you know, good. It's like, I am good, I'm it's good. just a matter yeah. of, letting it come out and it's not a pressureful statement it's a like you can do this you've got this yeah. just enjoy it and fun i cannot emphasize how important it is to have fun because golf is hard man golf is difficult and it's frustrating it's mentally taxing we're constantly focusing you know you're putting 110 percent focus exactly. on every shot and you can do everything right you can do everything and still not post a good result it's the nature of the game it's just to kind of accept the results for what it is and sometimes when you don't think you're going to play well you have a great game yeah. again to ride those peaks and troughs with neutrality but golf is hard like anything it's just to stick it out and, and to keep going put your head down and keep going and after like a year or two you'll look back and you'll realize how far you've come and like wow I actually did really good considering at the time it felt like a huge challenge yeah with you know i feel like as you know women athletes there's a different um call it five to ten fifteen year journey because there's so many more things to be considered about you obviously have if you want to have a kid there's there's time barriers to a lot of things being a woman can you speak on that and maybe give some advice for you know women athletes i mean it's it's a very personal um thing for certain players yeah you know, absolutely but there is a certain way to to go about it i guess in in a way that i mean you're still playing golf right now at a high yes. level yeah look i will say <laughs> I, I i had this idea when i was younger i'm still young but when i was much younger <laughs> that when you have kids life is over yeah and that's it you're done playing you, you you're done competing and my little boy is three now, it was his birthday last week, Tuesday, and when we decided we were going to try have a baby, um, like literally I was trying like, okay, I must fall pregnant by this time because then yeah. I can have the baby by this time, <laughs> then I've got two months to practice and play, then I can go back and play tournaments, I don't want to skip a season, you know, there's yeah. only seven weeks in the year to, to play competitive golf, ah, that whole plan, 
that whole plan didn't work. I felt pregnant when I felt pregnant. He was born in November and then I was looking, oh man, okay, so I've only got like eight weeks before my first event. <laughs> and unfortunately I had to have a C-section. So there was um, quite a bit of more recovery time yes. be because of that. Whereas natural birth, you can pretty much next Again. day keep going. <laughs> Stroll on the so course. I ended up having a C-section. So I had to wait six weeks. So I played my first event eight weeks after he was born. Oh, wow. And I actually got into a playoff with Lejean at Sun City oh, yes. and I ended up losing the playoff, which was fine because I was so worried about breastfeeding. My brain was not even worried about the <laughs> tournament, but you can do it. It can be done. You've got to have a good support structure and I'm very grateful. I've got a fantastic mother-in-law and a father-in-law who retired and they traveled with me oh, nice. that year so they could babysit so I could play. Yes, you sleep deprived. Yes, you're getting up four times at night to either breastfeed or bottle or nappy change. Suck it up and get on with it. Because once they pass that point, your life kind of goes back to exactly. normal. So it, it, it was probably like a year of sleeplessness and tired and trying to hit balls, feeling, feeling, feeling like, like a zombie. Um, but I also still play good golf, all things considered, because I wasn't worried about my performance. Exactly. I was worried about my little guy. Yeah, and I played the, good golf. The breast so, milk to the baby. That yeah, jeez. I promise you, playing that final hole, and all I wanted to do was express because I hadn't pumped for like five hours. I know it's like a thing that guys won't, won't understand, but it's uncomfortable. <laughs> and all I'm thinking about over this putt is, oh, I just want to. <laughs> Almost time. Oh, yeah. But it's. for me, I think it's a cool story. And I, I managed to come back to playing golf eight weeks after he was born. I was fit enough, I was strong enough, and I was healthy enough, which is why it's important now that you maintain that yeah. as a younger player. Stay fit, stay strong, stay healthy. So when you do look at that, your comeback time is shortened. Your recovery time is, is far less. And he's been an amazing addition to my life. And if anything, I have something else to play for now. 100%. And he enjoys watching me on TV and seeing, oh, look, there's mom playing golf. And that's my mommy. It's very, very cool. It's like it like, almost brings a tear to my eye to, to know that there's, I've got this um permanent little fan Support, I was who still say, thinks yeah. that i'm amazing even exactly. when i shoot a bad route oh mommy look at that shot it was so cool so and it just adds and, a whole yeah. nother level to life and it kind of takes away the pressure again that golf isn't everything golf is everything in my life i teach i play i commentate my entire life and career my studying is about golf but it isn't everything exactly. and when you give it context and the bigger picture of things it can become your main line of income, your, your, your main occupation, but it can't consume you. And again, it's about finding that balance. And it took me longer to find that balance, which is why even when I was younger and I had the support and the sponsorship and I had the psychologist, wasn't ready to, to accept that part. I think it's almost going back to what you're saying. It's something that coaches can't buy, the mental coaches can't, you can't buy that experience that you've just went through now, the kid. Yeah the commentating, the coaching, the studying now. I feel like it all adds up and, and it kind it of does. puts you in a... I mean, everyone's journey is very different. Exactly. But you kind of want to end up in the same space, but you got to just make with what you... You got to make it work. Exactly. And, and, and that's it. So things that worked for me... Won't necessarily Won't work, work for someone exactly. else. Exactly that. They need the long hours on the range. They need um, more attention from a coach and they need you know what they need they need more bananas on the golf course than what i do yeah we're all different it's about figuring out what makes you tick and what brings out the best in you and for me i know that i need to have diversity i need to have more than just playing golf, golf. i need because then you, you, I wanted you almost a family. get fixated on it yes i wanted a family i wanted to have a home i wanted to have a career in coaching and a career in playing i wanted to have it all 
I know it sounds like a very selfish and bold, bold statement, but I always wanted that. And I definitely feel like I, I have it. I have to make sure that I'm not gonna get struck down by lightning because <laughs> I'm just saying like my life is no complete. No clouds in sight. <laughs> yeah. But I think when you feel satisfied in your own life, your internal reality is aligned to your external reality. And again, I'm going into like a very sort of deep part about that because as women, we are emotional creatures. Yeah. We need to feel validated. We need to feel that what we're doing with our life has meaning and it's what we really want. If we're living a life that's actually not really aligned to what we want, it's hard again to be who you really are. Do you think um, right now you have, it, it almost feels like in a way, I kind of relate to you, definitely not on the, the, the responsibility part because you have a family and, and stuff like that. But I like doing a lot of things as well. I'm caddy slash media or photographer slash kind of thinking about playing again at some point, like, you know, starting playing amateur golf again. But it feels like it's good to have those options, right? Does, doesn't it kind of give you that? It does. It does. My, you know, we don't really want to talk about regrets, but one valid regret that I can actually say that I've had is when I was in Europe for five years is that I didn't study while I was traveling okay. to add a backup plan, yeah. a fallback, even if I never used whatever, did a degree in marketing or law or business, it doesn't matter, just to study something that I had a distraction from golf because I literally ate, slept and yeah. drank golf, as I said. And when golf's not going well, it becomes consuming. Uh, to have bad performance, bad bad results. Especially when it's not going well. I think when exactly. it's going great, it's exactly. amazing because you can't exactly. get enough of it. Exactly. So having that other aspect just added a whole, would have added a whole new dynamic, would have given me a yeah. fallback now that I'm older. But having the diversity for, for me now, it definitely keeps every day of my life fresh and different and exciting. I cannot imagine waking up and giving golf lessons all day, every day, six days a week. I yeah. think I would go nuts. But I enjoy knowing, okay, next week I've got a tournament and the week after I'm commentating and then I've got, okay, I've got a week with my family. That's very cool. So I'm going to coach. I'm going to play with my members. I'm going to play with some friends. Oh, and then I've got a tournament again. So I enjoy like the fact that the plan is so dynamic and constantly changing. But it's still golf. But it's, it's all it's golf. Different. It's all golf. And it's all contributing to the whole. It's just, I think because of my personality, I need variety. Yeah. Now that, you know, we kind of heading into prep for Sunshine Ladies Tour, has your expectations now shifted a bit? Do you look at that, those events coming up as, well, um, you know, expectation can be a thief of joy sometimes, but I guess now you've, you've proved to yourself, not to anyone else, like you mentioned, you don't need to prove anything to anyone else now but do you think that you're going to start placing importance on those six weeks a bit more than you have in the past i think i've always placed high importance on those six weeks the one thing i did have a discussion with my husband in the beginning of the year just discussing performance and discussing outcomes because you know you all have goals exactly for what you and i've always had goals for what i wanted to achieve um and I've generally always managed to achieve them, but the one goal I haven't managed to achieve is that I said to him, I want to win on Sunshine Tour. Not because it's overambitious, it's that I've gotten myself into contention so many times over the years and not been able to pull that, that win off. Whether be it, you know, for whatever reason, not playing well the final round, being tied, or just not playing a good round, which can happen, or someone else playing better. And I just haven't okay. been able to, exactly, I haven't been able to pull the win. So my last win on Sunshine Tour, bar the two this year on Vodacom Origins, which was a limited field event, was 2013. Yeah. And that's a long time ago. And even that was in a playoff. Yeah. 
you know, it's always like you kind of, in those playoffs, I always eh? kind of get myself into position and then kind of bleed a couple of shots coming in instead of, you know, having a bit of a comfort blanket of two, yeah. three shots, like getting into a playoff. And I won that playoff and that was 2013. That's going back a long time ago, yeah. nine years ago. <laughs> and since then, I've gotten so many second places, so many third places, just not to get that win off. I said to him, I need to be able to win a Standard Bank event or a Vodacom Origins event before I can realistically say to myself, I want to win those Sunshine You have the next yeah. one because there is far more players. The, the scores are lower. Yeah. There's a lot more international players, so the depth is stronger. You need to realistically be able to kind of do this before you can do that, before you can gotta, do that. You've got to crawl before you walk, before you run. Exactly. And you know what? That being said, if there was another player who said to me that same thing, I'd say as long as you're getting into contention here, the possibility exists. You don't exactly. have to have the it's not, it's not out of this, like you're yes, not being it's unrealistic. It's not a pre-requirement that you have to get this before you can pass to the next stage. But for me, that was in my mind. I had to be able to win. Cross those hurdles before Standard you. Bank event before I could then win a main event. Do I have expectation going into Sunshine Tour? Absolutely, I've had expectation every year. The only thing I'm going to do differently now is going into this year, I'm going to try and take that pressure off and go, you've done this, you can win. You don't have you, to. Just play the golf that you know you can play and everything else will fall into place. Easier said than done. Because when you've got a one-shot lead playing the last hole, we'll cross that road. When you get, get there. there. But it's, I know that I can do it and I don't feel like I'm under pressure to do it. I don't need to prove it to myself. And if I don't win sometime too, it doesn't matter. I'll probably play Wallace Santa back again next year. Um, I think I've got between five to maybe eight years really good competitive golf in me. I'm 36 now, I'm injury free. No plans for more children. Still hitting it long. Still hitting it long. That was one thing I always said, like if the youngsters are hitting it past me, then I kind of know it's time. It's time. <laughs> I don't think it's the same with them, so I'm okay. Well, there are a couple of strong hitters. I mean, but, Buchle, Cassandra, but I mean, those girls are very strong and they generate huge amount of club experience. But the, the other players that I you still you still up more, there. I was a bit, I was a bit surprised if I'm being honest, like, because it doesn't look like you swing at it hard either. So, I mean, I've shot a, a ton of the the Sunshine Ladies Tour events, and I'm, you know, obviously sometimes you partnered with Kaz and and Nobs as well, and I'm like, Tans doesn't look like she's really going at it, but she's only five meters back oh, of them. That's, that's very generous. So that, Cassandra and Houghton two weeks ago, she was. Oh, she. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, she, she, but also she can step it up, which, yeah. which is great. That's a great ability to have. But also in that situation, I kind of know, look, I'm not going to hit it as far as she does. And but I'm going to be in play. I'm so play my game. And again, experience. I know to try hit the ball further, you're going to get out of sync. You're going to exactly. just stick to your game and, and, and let her play her game. That being said, she hit four out into a par five. I laid up, we both made birdies. So at the end of the day, play a game. Score is score, yeah. Uh, but... I always said if I couldn't keep up lengthwise, then you start me to start thinking about my, my, my graceful exit. <laughs> um, so I reckon I still got an, another good five, maybe more years of competitive golf in me if I stay healthy and strong and and injury and enjoying enjoying I golf. Keep enjoying it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. With that being said, Tans, thanks so much for making time. I know you've got some students waiting for you. Um, thanks to Standard Bank Program Series for supporting the podcast, supporting women's golf more importantly. Um, it's great to see the benefits of competitors of golf for, for the women and hopefully we see more Ashley Buhais out there winning the majors and more Kaz and Nobs, you know, they're kind of doing their thing in Europe as well. And yeah. And Nicole Garcia, she's yeah. had a great season. I mean, I think, I feel like Nicole, she's, she's due for something big. I think so too.
but um, Tans, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me.